Alexa, play that Amazon ads podcast. Which one would you like to hear? The best one. Okay, now playing that Amazon ads podcast. These gentlemen are completely changing the game. After listening to that Amazon ads podcast, my ads are finally profitable. I also heard they're pretty cute. All right, welcome back to That Amazon Ads Podcast. I am Andrew, here with my co-host, Steven. Oh, 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 Steven. I was was so excited there to say my name. Yeah, yeah, you always are very excited to say your own name, but uh, (laughs) I'm just kidding. How are you today? (laughs) Doing good, man. It's cutting season right now, baby. Starting to uh, trim off the fat. I sent you one of my progress pictures. I lost like 10 pounds in the last month. Yep. I was impressed. I've, I've been following your fitness journey very closely over the yeah. last year or so, and you've come a long way for sure. And uh, let me pull up the screen share and I'll share it with the YouTube audience. What my, uh, <laughs> just kidding. Yeah. We're going to have a progress pictures. update. <laughs> no, but, but the reason why we say it's cutting season is why? Uh, well, the reason we're saying that is because we're going to be talking about how to cut out that wasted ad spend today with a topic of negative keywords and negative product targeting uh, and how to use that within your account for best results to trim up your negative and wait or not negative your wasted ad spend Uh, we're going to be going over those today and and figuring out exactly how to use them yeah a few episodes ago we talked about there's kind of you know different seasons uh with scaling in an amazon ppc account you kind of have your bulking seasons where you're adding on, you're doing more keyword research, you're adding in new keywords, adding more campaigns, adding more product targets. And then you have your cutting season when after, you know, you have that expansionary phase, collecting a lot more data, you can then go through that data and find all of the kind of inefficiencies, cut that out, improve your overall uh, performance and ACoS. And so we kind of cut back and forth between these two seasons. You got your your bulking phases where you're focused on growing sales and collecting data. And then you've got your cutting seasons where you're optimizing, improving efficiencies, removing wasted ad spend. And when you kind of go back and forth between those, that's how you scale an account. Absolutely. I got nothing else to add on that. But, you know, just to kick us off to get us started today, we, we you know, love getting all these questions on our on our YouTube channel. Uh, we had some people drop some comments over uh, the last week or so. So I wanted to review those comments to kick us off, Steve. Does that sound good to you? Let's do it. All right. So first, I'm going to butcher this. We've got a question from Cryo Systems Refrigeration EQ7769. <laughs> he says, what is your ad strategy after Prime Day? That's a great question. Uh, we're, we're actually just coming out of Prime Day. We were pretty much heads down for all of last week, grinding pretty hard up late nights. Um, we've been... Uh, recovering from that season. So that would be the first strategy for Prime Day is to get some rest afterwards and yep. make sure make sure your mind's right heading into any optimizations you're going to make. That'd be my first uh, recommendation. But what, what do you got for us today, Stephen, on, the, on this topic? Yeah, so it was around Prime Day concluded on a Wednesday at midnight Pacific time. And I was up around, you know, trying to revert everything back to where we were at, but also trying to account for the drop in conversion rates. So what I did was, and by the time I finished everything, it was like 2 a.m. And then I had a meeting at 7 (laughs) a.m. to be up for. So, but that's the nature of Prime Day. You know, you don't get a lot of sleep, but you get a lot of sales. So that's the trade-off. But what I ended up doing 
was I looked at the AMX 500, which is an interesting resource for anyone. It's free. I actually, it's, it's from a, a software company called Bidex.io or Bidex.io. So we'll probably have uh, the founder of that company, Max, come on. He's a really cool guy. He actually treated me out to dinner. He's, he's from Germany, but he was in Orange County and, and uh, we grabbed dinner. Cool guy. But he told me about AMX 500 and I checked it out. And it's essentially, it's 500 of the largest accounts on their platform. And it's their data and they basically aggregate it and create a bunch of charts that are you know visually telling a lot. And so I looked at that chart to see last year around Prime Day, how did conversion rates drop from kind of that, those two days of Prime Day to immediately following or the week before Prime Day to the week after to see what exactly happened. And what it seemed to me was that the conversion rates kind of from the previous 30 days to the week immediately following drop by around 15, 20%. So I took my accounts, uh, I took the last 30 days of data for all of them, including Prime Day which a lot of people would probably think that's crazy. Why would you do that? A lot of people exclude Prime Day. I don't see, for, for me personally, I don't think you necessarily need to exclude it because there's a lot of data that's in there. You're getting a ton of clicks. Obviously, the conversion rates are all going to be elevated. So you have to account for that, that elevated conversion rate, you know, above average, but there's still a ton of data there that you don't want to miss out. You know, on Prime Day, if everything, if your conversion rates on everything went up by like, say, 30%, they probably still went up proportionally. So something that previously had a 10% conversion rate went up to 13%. Something that previously had a 20% conversion rate maybe went up to 26%, something like that, where you're still getting that relative performance across all of your keywords. So long, long-winded way of saying what I did was I, I took the last 30 days for my accounts. I calculated the target A cost based off of ev- you know everything that we did for, showed you guys in those first few episodes on, on how to manage bidding. I did those exact same things. I just set my target ACOS around 20% lower. So instead of, if my actual target was 30%, I was targeting 24% uh, and, and pulling my target down a little bit to just account for that lower conversion. And I'm pleased to say since Prime Day, everything's been right on target. So obviously sales dropped off as to be expected after Prime Day, but we've been right within our margins. What did you do, Andrew? Yeah, that's a great, great uh, introduction to how you calculated all that. Um, I was actually up with you whenever we were, going through what we were going to start implementing across some accounts. Um, yeah, it was like 4 a.m. your time. Prime day. Yeah, it was 3 yeah. a.m. It, it was a late night for me for sure. Um, but we were up talking about it and stuff. But I basically did something similar. I, I had you know some accounts that were um, not running any deals. And so we didn't really ramp bids too much. And so it was pretty easy for them to kind of come back to, to baseline. We we did account for you know a conversion rate drop the the following two or three days after Prime Day, which is typical um, and, and kind of what we've seen. But basically, for for that account, for those accounts, we we pretty much just increased bids ten percent for Prime Day, pretty pretty much across the board. Um, and then we had our you know our base bids from the previous upload, and from that we dropped you know about ten percent from um, what we were originally bidding. So we just had a some a, Blanket blanket bid changes across the board. There, what were you gonna say? We we also did we ran a massive experiment with one large account. Oh yeah, uh, yeah do you, you want to share that and maybe some some of the thoughts behind that? Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to remember exactly what we did. So if if I'm missing anything here, just jump in. But 
Um, I was talking about the, I, the dynamic bidding one in case yeah, you thought yeah, I was talking about yeah, something yeah. else. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I figured that was what you're talking about. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So with one account, they, they weren't running any big promotions. We were already like hitting our ACOS targets or exceeding uh, in the lead in. Our conversion rates weren't as good. Um, but we, were, we had been utilizing dynamic bids up and down uh, just to be aggressive and, and allow for more variability in placement and allow Amazon's algorithm to work. But uh, following Prime Day, we, we wanted to tighten up our spend a little bit, get a little bit better control over our CPCs um, and how much you know we're, we're able to we're willing to spend. We had a, we wanted to have a little bit more control, so we switched on dynamic bids down only right after Prime Day, right like right at midnight. We flipped that on, um, and I think from what I've seen over the last couple of days, we've been pretty much on target with with what we we're trying to achieve. Um, CPCs have have come down a little bit. Um, ACOS has improved um, compared to what we were seeing on the lead-in, but um, yeah, overall that that was kind of what we did. Yeah, the previous management had everything set to uh, dynamic up and down turned on for pretty much the entire account, and the account was doing really well. Right, sometimes when you just give Amazon freedom to do a lot of stuff for you, it'll work out, but you're it, it really is a little bit of like kind of a blind trust <laughs> game with with Amazon and hoping. You know, obviously they don't know all of your goals and they don't always have your best interests in mind. And so it can work out. It might not always. Andrew and I prefer to use down only so that we can actually calculate properly, you know, the the top highest CPC. So we'll usually use down only or fixed bids and then adjust our placement settings accordingly. But we like having that control of at least being able to know our CPCs will never exceed this certain amount. And so for this account, yeah, we decided we would like to move things over to down only so we could have that extra level of control. And it seemed that right at the conclusion of Prime Day where we were expecting a sales slump, that would be a good time to flip everything to down only. We're, we're expecting sales to be down anyways since we're probably gonna lose a lot of spend. And yeah, it did end up working out that since then they have been right on the money for their margins. Yeah, yeah, that was a good good experiment for us to, to test out across that account. Uh, one other thing that's important, I think that kind of factors into this post Prime Day strategy, but I always think it's important to try to capture and capitalize on as much traffic as you can of that traffic that you generated on Prime Day. Um, you may not get the same conversion rates, obviously, if you're not running any deals, but that was a lot of traffic that came through. And, you know, surely there are some customers in that in that audience that didn't purchase from you. So having some sponsor display retargeting campaigns with uh, some look back windows that uh, would encapsulate your lead in spend as well as your on Prime Day spend um, to just try to capture more sales leading out of Prime Day, hopefully offset a little bit of that slump that you're going to see uh, from just the natural cycle of things after Prime Day. I've seen some people running some post Prime Day deals to try to offset that post Prime Day slump. Um, I'm not sure exactly how it's working yet. We'll, we'll get a better read on that later, but just just a couple other ideas for for things you might be able to to deploy after Prime Day that could help you know improve your results. Yep. Now, at time of recording, this is just a few days after Prime Day, so it's really relevant now. But by the time this episode airs, it's true. it'll be a couple <laughs> of weeks after. So hopefully that's helpful to you guys for thinking about you know next year and everything. But enough about Prime Day. Or later Let's... this year. We've got, oh, we've got October. That's Prime true. Day coming up. Probably. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, let's dive into today's topic on optimizing negative keywords. Yes, absolutely. Negative keywords. I'm excited to dive into this one, Stephen. 
Um, this is a hot topic. A lot of people have a lot of opinions on this one as well, as as we have said about basically every single thing that we have talked about on this podcast. But negative keywords, let's go over that. Um, to start, let's, let's just first define what negative keywords are. Uh, basically, it's the inverse of a keyword where you have keywords, you're telling Amazon what you want your product ad to appear on, whereas negative keywords, you're telling Amazon where you don't want your ad to appear. So you're able to have a little control over specific placements that you may deem not relevant, but similar to your product or products that, you know, or keywords that get poor conversion rates or don't convert at all for your product. We can use negative keywords to help tell Amazon not to show our product on there uh, to prevent some of that wasted ad spend. Yeah, especially with certain targeting types, such as auto campaigns, broad match campaigns that very much have a shotgun approach to targeting different possible placements and, and yeah, where, where your ads are going to appear on Amazon. It can really be helpful to, to utilize these negative keywords because at the end of the day, all advertising is, all marketing is, is you're trying to place the right product from the right customer at the right time, right? That, that's all we're trying to do. And the way in which we do, the way in which we manage that is through keywords and bids, right? So we're using keywords to, you know, find what people, things that people are searching for and try to place our ad there. And there are some times where you kind of end up on a spot that's not that relevant to you. Someone was searching for something else. They weren't looking for your product, uh, but because of those auto-targeting and broad match, your, your product ended up there. Someone clicked on your ad and it drove up some spend, didn't drive you any sales or, or at least those sales were inefficient and you spent more than you made. And so this is, these are the types of opportunities where negative keywords can come in and help you refine that spend, help protect you from some of those, those, yeah, those shotgun approaches. You're, we're narrowing in that range a little bit. So Andrew, why don't you, are you going to add something to that? No, I was just going to say, I, I think it's important that people know um, where you can use negative keywords or negative product targets. Um, you know, cause it, cause it kind of varies throughout the ad console, depending on what campaign types you're using, um, which targeting types you're using within those campaign types. So thought it might be important for us to, to lay that out for people. So um, first things first, with auto campaigns, uh, given that auto campaigns are delivering on both search terms and product detail pages or product targets, you have the ability to negate both of those. Um, and I'm trying to remember off the top of my head whether it's at both the campaign and ad group level um, or just the campaign level. Can't remember. <laughs> I'll have to double check. That actually is a really good question. Why don't you pull it up really quick so we <laughs> yeah, can... Yeah, let me look. I'm uh, I'm signed out of my Amazon account on this computer, so I got you. you'll have to look that up. But yeah, that's a good point. And actually, Andrew, if you remember, there was a time when we couldn't negative product target yeah. on those auto campaigns. And that was a brutal time because we'd see in our search and reports all these ASINs appearing that we didn't want to be showing up for. Mm-hmm. But Amazon did not give us the ability to do negative product targeting. So if you are in your account and you're on an auto campaign and you're looking at the negative tab and you don't see a product targeting option, it, it's probably because that auto campaign is super, super old legacy and it's, you know, predates when Amazon enabled negative product targeting on auto campaigns. So if that is you, I'd recommend creating a new auto campaign. Don't worry about losing all the momentum on that. That Well, I mean, if you're if you're seeing irrelevant stuff in that auto campaign, negative ASIN or ASINs that you would like to negate, I, you'd have to restart and uh, create a new auto campaign. But did you get the answer, Andrew? Yeah, yeah. Quick status update on that. So yeah, with auto campaigns, you at the campaign and ad group level, you can do both cool. negative product targets and negative keywords. So that's an important uh, tidbit there. So you can do it at both yeah. levels. 
Yeah, and in case if anyone's wondering what a product targeting is, it's, I mean, did you want to give a quick definition on that? <laughs> I was, I I was about to, I and then I didn't quite know how to say it. <laughs> it's it's basically it's it's basically you can you can target uh i mean it's a good idea when amazon introduced product targeting because there's a lot of other ways in which we can find relevant audiences not just based off their search terms what they're looking you know what they're searching for but products that they're looking at and so by targeting keywords you know you're basically if someone types something into the search your your ad is going to follow around that customer based off of what they typed in the search and if you're targeting an asin you're basically going to follow that ASIN around Amazon. So wherever that ASIN's going, you know, your, your ad has the ability to appear there as well. Is that a good, good summary? Absolutely. Yeah. I think that covers, covers all bases there. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think for, for any of these, anything that we say you can negate, it looks like you can do at both the campaign and the ad group level, which is super important because if you're not using single product campaigns, then you'll need to make sure that you're setting any negative matches at the ad group level because it's going to be all those negatives are going to be directly related to a specific product and a specific ad group. So you need to make sure you're setting it at the right level and not negating something from your whole campaign that maybe is super important to some products, but maybe isn't a great performer on one. So uh, just an important distinction there. Uh, make sure you're setting your, your negatives at the right, right uh, entity level. Yeah, I was just going to move on to the next part that with when it comes to manual targeting, you are able to negate in those for the appropriate targeting. So if it's a manual keyword targeting ad group or keyword targeting campaigns, uh, you can negate those keywords from that ad group or from the campaign. Now, actually, this is interesting, Andrew. If you have a manual targeting campaign, that is, you know, you only have product targeting ad groups in there. I'm pretty sure you can negate product targets at the ad group level, but you can't negate product targets from the manual level or sorry, from the campaign level, because when you have a manual campaign, yeah, I'm pretty sure that Amazon only has negative keywords, not negative product targets at a campaign level. So if you want to do, if you have a product targeting campaign and you're going to do negative product targets, that has to happen at the ad group level. And Mm -hmm. that's probably also a good thing we should clarify, Andrew, why don't we break down what we mean between negating from a campaign level or an ad group level? Yeah. Yeah. Basically. So if you're setting a negative keyword or negative product target at a campaign level, that's going to apply to any ad groups that are within that campaign. Um, you're basically going to block any anything, any of those ads in that campaign from delivering on whatever it is you've negative matched. Um, and then if you set it at the ad group level, it's only going to be applicable to anything in that specific ad group. So with, with our campaign structure that we recommend to people using single product ad groups. You, If you were setting a negative keyword at an ad group level, those negatives would only be relevant to that one specific product as opposed to all of those products. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's basically the difference between where you would set that uh, negative keyword at. Yeah. And I think a good kind of use case example of that could be, you know, let's say, uh, you know, let's say you got a campaign you have uh, one ad group with, you know, so your campaign has your, all your parent is the, is the parent ASIN. And then you have two or three ad groups in there that are variations. They're just different colors, you know? And all right, here's, here's going to be a dumb example, but let's just say it's, you're selling uh, door stoppers or something and you sell rubber door stoppers and you've got a few different sizes, a few different variations. Maybe you have a large one and a small one. So in your small door stopper ad group, you might negate 
people searching for large door stoppers. And then your large door stopper ad group, you might negate people searching for small door stoppers. Uh, just to really make sure that you're getting the right traffic to the right listing. And you wouldn't want to negate that at the campaign level because if you negated large door stopper at the campaign level, it apply it to all the ad groups, including the one holding your large door stopper product in it. Now at the campaign level, maybe you notice on, you know, maybe it was just on one of the ad groups, not all of them, but it was just one of the ad groups where you notice people were looking for steel door stoppers. I'm not even sure if that's a thing, but let's just say it is. People are looking for steel door stoppers and that's not what you're selling. So, you know, just to make sure that that doesn't appear in any of your ad groups ever again, you can go at the campaign and say, hey, I'm going to negate the phrase match steel door stopper to make sure I never, you know, none of these ad groups ever, ever appear for that. So that's kind of how you can think through. Basically, you would do it at the campaign level if, if all of the ad groups are affected. And you can do it just at the ad group level if it's a little bit more unique or individualized to each, uh, to each of those ad groups. And yeah, I mean, I, I, even if you only have if you only have one ad group in a campaign, for me personally, I like to just add it to the campaign level. That might not be the best practice. I don't know. Maybe people would want to add it to the ad group in case they ever add more ad groups to it later. I like to keep it at the campaign level just because it's one less click for me to click around on if I am trying to identify what's been negated in this campaign or for the, for the, these ads. Uh, I like to look at the campaign. So anything you would want to add to that? Yeah, that's that's a really good point. I think that uh, you brought up a, a point that, that we're going to talk about here in just a little bit, but the difference between a negative phrase and a negative exact, we're going to, we're going to break that down, but not right this second. I think that's uh, an important thing that we got to touch on in this episode, Steven. So we'll, we'll circle back to that. But first we want to go over the most common mistakes that people make when utilizing negative keywords. We see a lot of like recommendations and stuff out there for how people go about setting negatives and how they uh, define a negative keyword for their ads. So let's go through those common mistakes and see what people are doing wrong with negative keywords. So number one, actually, now that I'm looking at this list, we only really have one mistake <laughs> that people make. <laughs> it's just multifaceted. Uh, so the number one mistake that people do is they use automation rules with overly simplistic i.e. bad logic. And that actually kind of sums up all of these sub bullet points that we have written out here. So let's take these you know, one at a time. The first kind of uh, subscript there that people will do is they will just say, hey, anything with high spend, no sales, I'm gonna just negate. So either they'll download a search term report and they'll say, hey, anything with $5 of spend, no sales, boom, negative exact or negative phrase, whatever. Or they have a, a rule-based system using some software that's gonna be doing that for them. Andrew, why is that not the most, why would we say that's not going to get the best results? Well, for me personally, I think that just saying that, you know, a, a target has a certain amount of spend without a sale doesn't necessarily allow us to draw the conclusion that that term isn't relevant to the product that you're, you're advertising on that keyword. We have to be very clear about um, negating, we don't want to negate things that are directly relevant to our product just because maybe they're a little more expensive for us to deliver our ads on. The, the, the issue with just using spend as a threshold is that you could spend $5 in just two clicks 
and not have actually validated that that keyword is is irrelevant to your product and you're just basing it on how much it's spent, you're going to negate something that could potentially have generated a sale down the line or maybe that's something hyper relevant to your product um, that you want to be prioritizing. So just using spend allows for situations like that where the term is directly relevant and um, is possibly a good term for your product. You just maybe had your bid set too high or a little too aggressive or um, you know, maybe some other other settings could be uh, altered a little bit to help rein that spend in and get it to a point where you know maybe it does generate a, a profitable sale. Um, so that's that's the main issue I see with it is that it doesn't allow for that specificity. It, it just negates things based on um, ineffective criteria that don't necessarily encompass the full picture, like relevancy or uh, things like that. Yeah, the other thing too is that people might not even be getting the spend threshold right. They'll say anything that spends over $5 is too much, negate it, you know? Yeah. And, you know, if, if you need a refresher, go back to episode four, where we talk about how to optimize keywords with high spend and no sales. Cause we talk about, first of all, how do you define what high spend is, right? So you can't, it's not good enough for us to just pick a random number, $5, $10. We, in episode four, we talk about how to calculate what is, you know, for you, What's the math you should be doing to find out this is my high spend threshold, at which point a keyword or a search term becomes a problem. And we're either going to be optimizing the bid, as you said, Andrew, it might be that you're, you're bidding way too much and that's why it spent so much. Or it could be that the, the uh, conversion is just really low and, and we're just yeah, spending too much. But yeah, that's, that's kind of the first thing that, that we want to look at is, and we'll, we'll get a little bit more in depth into this later, but and so to, I guess to kind of tease what's coming, the main reason why we want to negate something is because it's an irrelevant term. But if a term is highly relevant, you know, if that search term is exactly what your product is and it's a high volume term, it just has spend on it and no sales. We don't necessarily want to just negate it out the gate. We want to optimize the bid for whatever keywords triggering that search term. And so again, refer, refer back to episode four on that. Andrew, what's our, our second kind of mistake we've seen uh, people will just set up a rule for this. Yeah, yeah, I particularly see this uh, in automations. Uh, it's just high ACoS. So anything that has generated a conversion um, at a ad cost of sale, that's too high. Uh, people will set thresholds based on their target ACoS. You know, if, if an ACoS exceeds X percent, uh, you can go ahead and negate that because it's too expensive for me to deliver my ads on that term. I don't want to have uh, unprofitable sales. So we're going to negate everything with high ACoS. Now, one of the biggest issues I see with that is the fact that it is high ACoS necessitates the, the fact that it has generated a sale, which means that it is most likely relevant to your product um, and has proven that your product is a direct relevancy fit for this keyword based on the fact that it's generated at least one conversion. Um, so right. just, yeah. just going through and, and negating high ACoS is going to negate stuff that is totally relevant for, to your product and, and important for that campaign. Right. Cause there would be no ACoS if there wasn't at least one sale, right? Exactly. ACoS, having ACoS, a calculable ACoS at all necessitates having a sale in order to advert, in order to calculate that advertised cost of sales. So if something, you know, if your target ACoS is 30%, you're going to say, Hey, negate everything with 60% ACoS, man, you could lose a lot of sales that way. If, you know, all those keywords, yeah, I mean, that could be a lot of keywords in your account um, that are all driving sales for you. 
And the issue wasn't that those were irrelevant. The issue was just your bids were too high. You know, your bid should have been, you know, 50% lower or something, or maybe you got to calibrate your placement settings a bit more. So yeah, that's, that's a good one. Uh, something else that I've seen people do is they negate anything with a bad click-through rate. So, hmm. I mean, I'm not sure totally how I feel about that. I think the logic is that if something has a bad, if a keyword has a bad click-through rate, it's pulling down the total click-through rate for your product, which is going to hurt your organic ranking if it has a bad click-through rate. Now, I don't think that's necessarily how Amazon's algorithm works. I think they're a little bit more keyword to keyword specific. So if there's one keyword with a really bad click-through rate and your other keywords have better click-through rates, I don't think that like, you know, if you leave that poor performing click-through rate keyword on, you're going to lose the rank on those other keywords. I don't think that's necessarily going to happen. That's number one. Number two is most of the time click-through rate is just a matter of impression count and more importantly, where those impressions are coming from. Because if you open any campaign and you look at the placement settings and you look at the impression count across top of search, product pages, and rest of search, you'll see that the overwhelming majority of impressions are coming from product pages. And that's simply just because of the amount of ads Amazon places on product pages. So top of search, you can only really get like three or four possible impressions up there. And on product pages, you've got carousel after carousel after carousel. You got product ads everywhere. I mean, just go to product page, type command F or control F in your browser and type sponsored. And you'll just see how many different areas where those ads appear. There's millions of impressions there. And those all have really low click-through rates. And so a lot of times if you have a keyword or a campaign that has a really low click-through rate, it's just because it's getting a ton of product page placements. It's just an oversupply of impressions there. That's pulling down the total click-through rate. So if you're just negating something because it got a lot of impressions on product pages and not as many on top of search, I would say that's a pretty weak criteria. You know, you're So at the end of the day, none of these, well, I should say all of these are indicators of potentially an irrelevant search term, but they don't necessarily equate to an irrelevant search term. So if you are having any keywords that are in these conditions, really low key, uh, really low click-through rate, really high ACoS, really high spend, no sales, definitely check it out and look at, is this keyword relevant? Maybe it's not, um, but you don't want to just blanket apply a, a set of rules that can potentially go through and negate all these keywords that were highly relevant to you. They were driving sales, you know, something could have a low click-through rate, but it's still driving you like 10 or 20 sales a month. You know, you don't want to just like kill it completely because it got too many impressions on product pages. So yeah, we'll come back again later on to, to talk a little bit more specifically, specifically about what you should do. But Andrew, one final kind of thing that we've seen here, we're calling it a mistake. Maybe people disagree with us and it's not a mistake. And we kind of touched on it on the last episode, but what do you think about negating and source campaigns? And when, when doing keyword harvesting, which yeah, yeah. That, that's from the previous episode. So if you missed that first one, go back to that to, so we don't have to recap what that all means here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Definitely go back and check out that episode. We go a little bit more in depth on it. Um, I think just just real quick before I go into this one, um, just to wrap up on the other, on the other points, um, I think there's no telling what sort of impact that a that enrolling your account into automated rules like this could potentially have. Um, if you you know say you're not currently doing this um, and you set up your account on an automation tool that goes through and starts 
implementing rules like this of negating things with spend and no sales or negating things with high ACOS or low click-through rates or even low conversion rates, um, there's no telling what type of impact that could have on your account, both from right. a paid perspective and an organic perspective. Like, yep. you know, high ACOS in particular, like if you're, if something's generating sales and you go through and start negating things that are, you know, just high ACOS, that those, ter- those keywords, those terms, those targets could have been playing a big impact on uh, your overall organic presence just through organic ranking and stuff. So those types of rules got to be, you know, taken very seriously and not just uh, blindly applied to accounts, uh, especially if, you know, it's under new management and this is not something that you've, you know, done o- over a long period of time. This could really shock a, shock an account for sure. So before you go on, Andrew, I will add one okay. more thing go to kind it. of wrap up the, that previous segment. But we we failed to announce this and or, or mention this one. And this is probably what everyone's asking is like, what about low conversion rate search terms? And I think the reason why we didn't mention that is because I think we were assuming that was going to be in the, the high ACOS uh, section that if it's high ACOS, it could be really low conversion rate. It could be really low uh, or that your, your bids are too high. But if you have a search term with a really, really low conversion rate, we would kind of just reiterate that same point. If it has any conversion rate at all, that means it has a conversion. I mean, I'm assuming the conversion rate's not 0%. If, if it's 0%, then obviously look at our, our high spend, no sales. Uh, it's probably in that category. But if it has at least one order, maybe it has 100 clicks, only one order. It's got a 1% conversion rate that's way below your average. Hey, that is still a conversion. And if that's consistent, if every month you're getting 100 clicks in one sale, 100 clicks in one sale, you know, if that's happening every single month, you're still missing out on one sale a month. And the goal here is to not necessarily just kill the keyword as long as you can be profitable on it. So we just want to figure out what the bid should be to a point where we're profitable. Only if it's at the point where you can bid all the way down to two cents and you're still not profitable and you're still getting clicks, then sure. Yeah, that would that would be something to, to negate. But again, most of the time when you see something with a really low conversion rate, it's going to, uh, it's probably going to be because of, well, we just want to double check the relevancy of it. We don't like having these rules that are going to do things basically behind our backs without a lot of oversight. We like to be a little bit more involved there. So yeah, just kind of wanted to throw that one in there. And one more thing, I'm going to just wrap this up. Just, are I'm you? just, kidding. I'm just okay. kidding. No, I'm totally just joking. The rest of the episode is us just saying one <laughs> just more back thing and over forth. and over again. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, but <laughs> we can finally dive into uh, the negating and source campaigns uh, when you're doing keyword harvesting. So uh, what that looks like, and like I said, look at the watch the last episode if you want to get more in depth on this. But basically what people do when they harvest keywords from auto or research campaigns into more manual targeting, performance-based campaigns, um, they'll, in a lot of cases, negate the term that they're harvesting from the source campaign in the source campaign before they harvest it. And the main reason why is so that they're not bidding on the same keyword in multiple locations within the account. Um, And so they like that keyword isolation where it's this product is only showing up on this keyword in this one campaign. Um, So there's a couple reasons that we talk about in the last episode as to why this is important. Um, The first one being that in auto campaigns, typically you're, you're able to earn some cheaper CPCs um, with, you know, lower page placements, uh, product page placements, things like that. Um, and if you can have your ad show up on a search result page more than one time in multiple locations, like say 
For example, you have a manual campaign targeting a keyword and you have an auto campaign that's running that also happens to show up on that keyword. You can win multiple placements on that product detail or not on that product detail page, but that search result page and um, have more impression share, get more brand visibility for your products. Um, And if you were to have negated that in that auto campaign, you could have prevented that from possibly happening and and only you're going to win less placements on that actual keyword. Um, So there's that aspect of things. And then the the other aspect is when you're negating in-source campaigns and you, you know, you go through a harvest and you're pulling everything into manual campaigns and you negate everything that you just pulled in. You're basically negating everything that has generated conversions within that auto campaign. And so now all of your performance data is basically totally irrelevant because everything that you're basing that performance on just was pulled out or blocked from um, targeting within that campaign. So you're now you're optimizing blind because all the stuff that you were optimizing towards all the keywords, all the targets are now unavailable for targeting within that campaign. So those are the two, two things that we kind of run into there with uh, pulling and negating things in source campaigns when we're doing keyword harvesting. Yep. One thing I'll just add to that is as you keep listening to the show, you'll probably hear us say this a lot and maybe this even should have been one of our one of our five foundational principles from episode one. But I think the way Andrew and I look at everything on Amazon, all of our optimizations, all of our approaches to everything is it's on a spectrum. So, you know, whether it's your bids, your campaign structure, whatever, we kind of see there's a, there's a spectrum and that this spectrum can appears in multiple scenarios. Um, but in this example here between negating and source, I think what the spectrum is that we're dealing with is, on one side of the spectrum, it's you have absolute control, absolute granularity, what like perfect search term isolation. No one search term is going to appear in more than one campaign, uh, can't possibly appear in more than one campaign based off your structure and everything. And you have full control over everything in your account. And then there's the other side where on the other side, you're giving Amazon all the control. Uh, you know, the extreme of that would say would be like you put all your products into a single auto campaign, your catch all. And you just say, go dynamic up and down. And now Amazon has full control, right? I think there's an, there's an issue if you get overly controlling with your own account, like we certainly want to have as much control as we can, but you can be two controls to a point where you're no longer tapping into Amazon's algorithm. And what we believe is Amazon sometimes providing preferential treatment to those who give Amazon a little more control. Sometimes it seems like they award you with lower CPCs, you know, they, they kind of uh, you know, if you're bowing the knee to Amazon, they'll <laughs> they'll award you with good good ranking, uh, perhaps. So we definitely like to find uh, on the spectrum. We like to lean more towards the control. We're in control side, but we don't like to go all the way full throttle to we have absolute control because it seems like we can sometimes be penalized for that. So for that reason, yeah, we we don't want we don't care so much about having that perfect one. Uh, no one search term can appear in mo- more than one ad group. We're, we're okay with search terms appearing in a few different places, especially if it means Amazon's going to give us better ranking, perhaps a lower CPC. So Stephen, after all that, that, that's a lot of information we've been talking about, you know, what people are doing wrong for the last like 20 minutes. How do you know when to actually negate something? And like, if uh, when are we going to use negative targeting within our campaigns? Because it sounds like yeah. we basically don't need to. Yeah, I, I have no idea when. So we got to go find that out and we'll be back next week with the answer. Just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think for, for us, 
we really only negate things that are clearly irrelevant. So a, a good example of this is if you're selling a product that is particularly targeted towards a certain age, certain gender, a certain demographic, you're selling something for kids or you're selling something for guys and you're seeing search terms coming through where people are looking for, you know, you're selling shoes for kids and people you're seeing, uh, you know, shoes for teenagers or something pop, uh, pop up in your search terms, or you're seeing you're selling shoes for guys and seeing shoes for girls pop up in your search terms. That you really, that's where like negating can come in really helpful, you know, for refining your audience towards more accurately what your target is. And at the end of the day, we, we have a, a few metrics we can look at to help us identify those irrelevant terms. But, you know, if there's a term, a search term that's relevant, that's coming through and it's low conversion rate, high cost, whatever, we're always going to default to optimizing those bids to clean that up rather than just negating. And so again, that's why we say proper bidding covers a multitude of PPC sins. But Andrew, for identifying what might be irrelevant, what do you do? How do you kind of classify irrelevant or better yet, how do you, what what metrics are you looking at to help you identify those irrelevant terms? Yeah, good question. There, There's a few different things that I typically will look at for potential negative keyword opportunities different approaches. Um, I just kind of try to dig into the data to identify what is most irrelevant or or just give me an idea of, of what terms kind of fall into these criteria where it might be irrelevant. And uh, the, the buckets that those would be would be high spend, no sales. Um, so basically we use our formula of uh, calculating our target cost per acquisition based on our target ACOS um, to figure out what high spend even means. Um, so for every individual product, uh, you know, we'll figure out what our target cost for acquisition is that helps us meet our target A cost. Um, so what we would do, we take our average order value times our target A cost for that ad group or for that uh, product, um, and anything that was above that target car- target cost per acquisition is and didn't have an order. Sorry, I should mention didn't have an order. Um, that's a potential target that may be irrelevant, maybe getting too much spend, maybe need to optimize the bids or something. Um, so, but that's how I kind of first look at it is looking at anything above that target cost um, that we're looking to, to hit as, as, as a first place to look. Yeah. So like if your average sales price or unit sales price, average order value, whatever you want to call it, if that was like $30 and your target A cost is 33%, that means you're willing to spend up to $10 to get a sale. So anything that's already hit that $10 spend and hasn't gotten a sale yet, that's something you want to look at and you want to figure out, you know, you, you'd apply those filters, you'd look at that search term and you ask yourself, is this relevant? Is it not? If it's not, negate it. If it is, let's optimize that bid. And I mean, actually, I mean, I, I think everything we're going to talk about, it's all the same criteria that we mentioned above of like what people do <laughs> that's wrong. And we're just going to come back here and say, these are all the exact same criteria that we look at. I think the only difference is that we're, we're manually reviewing these. To, to test for relevancy rather than just, you know, applying a, a blanket application across everything so that we don't accidentally, I guess the idiom would go throw out the baby with the bathwater is what we're trying to do here. So when you yeah, say that's that, accurate, is that, is that that's what we're basically, advocating here? Yeah, we're, that's pretty much where we fall, fall here. It's like, don't just like blanket apply these things through an automation because there's a lot of nuance that would go into a decision like negating keywords from campaigns or, or ad groups. So there has to be a lens of, of um, very of clarity of relevancy that we have to go through first a filter of, of relevancy that is more important than these other um, metric based filters that we're we're applying we have to add that extra layer of 
of in-person logic and in-person oversight that can determine, you know, with, with more accuracy, whether or not something is actually relevant or irrelevant as possible negating. But, um, aside from that other, uh, that one reason for negating as in, uh, the, if it's irrelevant, you're going to negate it. There's also one other area that I think is important for how I personally use negating a lot. Um, and that's, in segmentating or segmentating <laughs> and that's in segmenting my campaigns by tactic. And so like, you know, you'll have your brand and non-brand campaigns to prevent your non-brand campaigns from showing up on branded searches. I'll use negative keywords to prevent my campaign or my ad group from delivering on anything that contains the phrase of whatever the brand name is that I'm working with. Totally. And so this allows me to, to get that segmentation where I can look at a campaign and trust that, you know, these metrics are truly non-brand and these ones are, are focused on brand and there's nothing slipping through the cracks there. So I may have like automated rules that run that identify things that contain my branded terms or like, you know, different pro- like specific product names and stuff that could be classified yeah. as branded. Um, I use negatives for that all the time. Uh, and that's that's a really great use case for negative targeting is, is creating that that tactic based segmentation between your campaigns. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that's a good example. I, I certainly do the same. That's that is something that we do think is very important. That's and you know, someone might ask, why would I negate my brand keywords for my auto campaign if you just said you know, that it's good to give Amazon some control. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, you, maybe you'd get a low, some lower CPCs on your own branded terms if, if you let them run in your auto campaign. But for me personally, it's more valuable to have a really clean split between my brand versus non-brand because that's a little bit more important to us to be able to measure like what percent of your sales are coming from branded terms versus non-brand. And to me, that's more important than perhaps getting a few cheaper clicks on branded terms when they're already, you know, really low A cost regardless. So it's, so yeah, that's that value there. Yeah. If you set up a campaign, like that's supposed to be non-brand and you don't negate your brand, like that campaign is just naturally going to favor your branded terms. If if you're getting a lot of branded traffic, because the conversion rates are going to be higher. Amazon's going to place your ads on, on searches that are most likely to convert. Um, You'll start to see in your search term reports that, the spend is highly concentrated on whether it, it could be branded products yeah. or, or branded could, uh, keywords. Yeah, it could really throw off some of your phrase match targeting bids too. So for example, if you were targeting, uh, we'll use Nike for example, if, you, if you're targeting phrase match shoes and it looks like, oh, the, the ACoS on this keyword's really low, I can raise that bid a little bit. But maybe if you did a deeper dive on that, on that phrase match keyword shoes, 99% of the sales were people typing in Nike shoes that drove all the sales on that on that keyword. And meanwhile, most of the spend without any sales was going towards people who were looking for uh, dress shoes. And that was driving up, you know, a good chunk of wasted spend on that on that keyword. And you just keep raising the bid because it looks like the ACOS on that keyword is really good because you're getting a lot of sales from your brand. And then this is a crazy extreme example, but point being there, uh, having that brand non-brand separation makes it easy for, for really optimizing those keyword bids as well. So they're not, you know, your non-brand isn't the, the performance isn't being inflated by branded sales coming through. hundred percent. So last two, Andrew is high A cost keywords, low conversion rate keywords. I don't want to spend too much time on this cause we kind of already touched on all of it, but essentially all we're doing is we're downloading a search and report. 
we're putting on these filters. We're looking at high spend, no sales, really high ACoS, really low conversion rate. And we're just, you know, maybe sorting by what's the worst performers here. And we're seeing if there are any opportunities to negate a keyword, but we're not just blanket applying automations to do this because we don't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater. And one thing that's important to note too is when we do this, sometimes we see that, you know, even if we're looking at low spend, no sales, we'll see that maybe there wasn't any one individual term that was really like not one single search term that was driving up a lot of spend, but we identify a trend that's been like popping up from, you know, this search term put phrases it one way, another search term puts it another way. And we can kind of manually see some trends appearing. And that can be a good opportunity for us to identify a phrase match negative keyword that actually didn't appear in our search term reports, but we identify something that could be a good phrase opportunity. So with that, let's actually just dive into negative exact versus negative phrase and when we choose to use one or the other. So negative exact versus negative phrase. Within our negative keyword matching options, we have the ability to negate an exact keyword or negate the phrase of a keyword. So very similar to how we have uh, match types within our uh, keyword targeting campaigns. We have auto, we have broad, we have phrase, we have exact. We have a similar setup with uh, negative keywords. So we can negate the exact term that we are looking for, or we can negate a term that contains a specific phrase. So for example, um, one time I was working with this client that sold goggles. Uh, they, they sell swim goggles. They have a whole bunch of different types of goggles, but the one thing that they don't sell is prescription goggles. And so people were often searching for um, prescription goggles. And like every once in a while, we would just get like a, an off sale on, on one of those. Maybe somebody just decided that they were going to not go with a prescription. Um, but notice that overall for across our account, we were, we were spending a little bit too much on terms that contained, uh, the, the phrase prescription or the term prescription or prescription goggle or something like that. And so that was an opportunity for us to basically negate negative phrase match um, prescription goggles or prescription, just the term prescription, so that it would prevent our ads from showing up on anything that was prescription or, or uh, that contained prescription because our product wasn't related to that. We didn't sell that. We saw really poor conversion rates, really poor um, uh, ACoS on that if we ever saw any conversions at all. And so that was an opportunity where we could negate a lot of potential keyword targets with just a single negative target. And that's yeah. what negative targeting allows you to do, negative phrase. Yeah, and, and I'm sure, you know, and I don't know if this is exactly what happened, but if this was the case, I'm sure you would have done this, where maybe you were only seeing all that prescription uh, spend was only really coming through one campaign. For whatever reason, there was just one campaign that was, you know, blowing that up. You got a ton of spend on people searching all different varieties of prescription, prescription goggles, prescription goggles for swimming, prescription sports, whatever thing. And you're getting all these different searches and you're like, okay, let's negate prescription. And while it didn't show up in any of the other campaigns, you might've preemptively went through all of the campaigns and negate negative phrase from all campaigns, basically just, you know, Amazon doesn't have account negatives, but if they did, you could have added it at the account level to impact all campaigns and ad groups in that account, just to be a little bit more preemptive with that. So you don't even have to necessarily wait for something to trigger in one of your campaigns. When we identify these, these trends that, and, yeah, just something that's basically putting our searches that are essentially outside of our category that are triggering our ads to show. Those are the types of things we're trying to negative phrase. Did you did you uh, negate it the all campaigns? 
Um, only the the goggle campaigns because they sold a whole bunch of other stuff. But yeah, we did go through prescription and swim negate. trunks. Yeah, nobody's searching for prescription <laughs> swim swim trunks or swimsuits or nothing. So <laughs> yeah, that wasn't super relevant. But yeah, this is a great opportunity to use some some uh, human logic, human based logic to uh, decide you know where to apply that. But yeah, it's just given that it was. Uh, totally irrelevant. That seemed like a good opportunity to negate across multiple different campaigns and stuff. But the way I found it is actually interesting. Um, I love this tool. Um, is, this is something I think you turned it, turned me on to this, um, but it's Ingram analysis. Uh, it's, you want to tell us a little bit about that and how we use that to, to find negative opportunities? Yeah. So Ngram analysis is essentially taking, if you've got a, a long tail keyword uh, or long tail search term and you know, it's four or five words long. And especially when you're, if you're, uh, yeah, if you are trying to find something like that prescription example, I think is a a good example. There might not be one search term that says prescription goggles that has a lot of spend or really low conversion rate, but there were thousands of one-click, no-sale varieties of search terms that contained the word prescription. And what an n-gram analysis tool will allow you to do is it'll basically separate out all of your keywords or search terms into their little word chunks and then identify where are there like, is there one particular word that is having, that is, you know, in aggregate driving really poor performance. And so, yeah, that the the Ngram analysis basically just helps you identify those kind of phrase opportunities within all of these search terms that are coming through in all sorts of different mismatches of, what am I even trying to say? Reordering, rearrangements. Yeah, all these different rearrangements of, of these items where a simple filter might not catch these opportunities. You can run things through an Ngram analysis tool. Uh, what we'll tr- probably try to do is is build one and we'll, we'll give it out on LinkedIn. So keep an eye out for that. Make sure you're following us on LinkedIn if you're not. And we'll, we'll probably post it in the next few weeks after we we put it together. But yeah, that's that's... I probably even butchered that uh, definition. Andrew, why don't you take over for a little bit while I look up what <laughs> what a definite... Oh, you know what? Yeah, I'll, we'll come back with a, with a proper definition. Oh, actually, I already found it. That was a pretty fast Google. An n-gram language model is a language model that models sequences of words such a, a, as a Markov process. Now, I don't know who Markov is, but yeah, it's basically... You've never heard of Markov? No, isn't that like the... Uh, <laughs> Oh no, I'm thinking of a Molotov cocktail. Molotov. <laughs> oh, Markov, man. He's famous, famous guy. Yeah. Surprised you haven't heard of him, to be honest. Are you being serious you. or are you making stuff up? No, I'm just messing with you. <laughs> okay. But yeah, these engrams, they'll they'll allow you to see like, you know, single words that are appearing that are driving a certain performance, and then they'll let you show like two word pairs. You know, so um yeah, maybe let me try to think of it. There's another example. Maybe you're selling like Maybe you're selling something for BB guns or or airsoft guns or something, and you're seeing that when people are looking for airsoft gun equipment, it could actually pair like airsoft equipment is like a, a paired term if you take those two words together. When airsoft and equipment are both appearing in the search term, um, that's driving your 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 conversions down because you're not actually selling airsoft equipment; you're selling airsoft guns, something like that. I mean, the idea there is just that you'll you'll be able to break this down into just one word, two word pairs, three word pairs. You could go on to four or five, but typically we'll find those opportunities within just the one or two word pairs with the with the n-gram. Yeah, and you can do this in the inverse too. Like you could use this to find 
you know, your true. best, your best performing phrases, your best performing like seed, seed keywords. So you can use it for a lot of different things, but, uh, for particularly for, you know, finding negatives, it's, it's super useful. It's a, it's a great tool and cool thing to have in your tool belt for, for going through stuff like this. Um, but I think that most people like, or us in particular, we, we use negative phrase a lot, um, probably more than we use negative exact. Um, but why do you think that is? Why, why are we using negative phrase a lot more or in what kind of situations would we use negative exact? Yeah, we're usually using phrase because if there is one part of this search term that essentially rules us out into a completely separate category, again, like if it's an age, gender, demographic, that's just not your target audience or it's a prescription keyword that's like not what you're selling, you can use that phrase because otherwise you'd have to do like a hundred different negative exacts to capture all of the different variations of prescription goggles for kids, prescription goggles for adults, you know, all the possible variations that are coming through. You'd have to do negative exact against, you know, thousands of those to, to properly prevent you from showing up in those search terms. So in, in those search searches, but if you just do negative phrase prescription, boom, you're fully covered. You're keeping yourself in the category of searches that you want to be appearing in. When it comes to negative exact, uh, we do use it sometimes, but it's certainly a bit more unique. And it's it's usually when you're afraid that if this was done as a phrase match, you might also be, I guess, throwing out the baby with the bathwater. I mean, that's going to be a popular one this, this time around. But I, the example that we came up with was if you sell kid scissors, particularly those squiggly, fun-cutting kid scissors, and you're seeing that whether it's coming through a search report or you're seeing it on your Ngram model, you're seeing you're getting a ton of spend on just scissors and no sales. And the conversion rates are abysmal. Even at two cents, you're not profitable. And you're like, man, I don't want to be showing up for this term. It's not worth it. When people just type in scissors and they see my little squiggly scissors, they're not buying and it's costing me a lot of money. If you were to just negative phrase scissors, that's probably going to take you out of literally everything else that you're trying to sell on um, all of the different variations containing the word scissors. And so sometimes for unique queries that are perhaps just a little bit too short tail. Um, and that that's probably like a good, yeah, that's probably where most of the time where negative, where negative exact is going to come in helpful is where you have really short tail searches that are a little bit too broad, too vague and not necessarily specific enough for, for you to be profitable on those and so you don't want to negate the whole phrase because you still do want to appear when people are searching for scissors for kids, scissors for fun crafts. You know, you still want to be appearing in those types of searches. But if they're only typing scissors, you're just like negative exact. I don't want to appear there. And yeah, I'm not sure if there's any other examples that you could think of or of, of times we would use negative exact. Uh, not off the top of my head. That that one took us a minute to come up with. So <laughs> I know because we don't so, normally we don't normally yeah. use negative exact. But yeah, it's that's probably the best way to to, to classify. It's like those super short tail stuff that's super top of funnel essentially. Like if someone's typing in scissors, they're in the market for scissors. They're just maybe a little bit you know too too far up the funnel for you uh, for for you to really be trying to go after that. Yeah, for sure. That's a great, great example of, of where that could be used. Um, yeah, like we said, we don't use negative exact for a variety of reasons, but, you know, 
if we can just negative phrase something and cover a, a multitude of, of queries that are relevant for us, then we should be more efficient about it and do it that way. But you were going to say something. What's up? Yeah, I, I think a popular thing that people will do is if they are running like single keyword campaigns, which again, principle number one of them is uh, don't overcomplicate things. If you're if you're newer to Amazon PPC, don't worry about single keyword campaigns. We'll come back to those on another another episode. But if people are running single keyword campaigns and they got this, you know, their most important keyword that they really want to win on, they're going to put that in its own campaign. It's going to be one campaign, one keyword, exact match. They may go through and negative exact that same keyword from everything else just to really funnel all of the impressions and clicks to that one campaign, which in that case makes sense. Um, whereas normally we don't like to negate, you know, converting keywords from other campaigns if the goal is to aggregate it all in one place that you can be really, really dialed in on that one term. I get it. We do that sometimes as well. So yeah, that's probably another example of, of using negative exact, but for the most part, we, we really rely on phrase. Yep, absolutely. That pretty much covers it. Um, we <laughs> we have talked about negative targeting probably way too long and belabored yeah. this this point to oblivion. So <laughs> if anybody's still listening to all of this, we appreciate you bearing with us. You probably learned a lot more than people who didn't listen to all of this. But yeah, hopefully that made sense. I don't know. We we uh, if you if. We were just very confusing just now. Please leave us a comment on YouTube and we'll get back to you. And by the way, Andrew, how many subscribers do we have on YouTube so far? I think we have 82. 82. 82. And this is, 82. And this is episode nine. And we said 100 subs by episode 10 or we cut oh. it off. Uh-oh. We we're nip it in close. The, we, uh, we get our time back. So help get us there, guys. Please subscribe on YouTube so that we don't have to end this podcast. I hope you guys are getting value out of it. It's been helpful for me, at least, getting to talk through these things, helping it's a uh, lot of fun. our thoughts. Yeah. I enjoy it. I enjoy it. Get us to 100 subs, and we'll uh, give out a $100 gift card. Amazon e-gift card. Doesn't matter where you are in the world. We're going to just email it to you. So get us there. Like, subscribe, all these things. Andrew, give us a send-off. See you next time. Peace.